Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Potside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and today we have um, returning guest Ashley Adams. How are you doing, Ashley? I'm tired, but hello. I can't believe I'm <laughs> back already. I was like, I thought you would have been sick of me last time, but you can't get enough of the old mumbly mouth at Ashley Adams. So here I am. Hi, everybody. Well, you know. I'll, I'll say that uh, your your past visit uh, over, uh, you know, reading was at Kaiju Preservation Society. Mm-hmm. Um, seems to be uh, seems to be a hit. So I don't know about uh, about your self assessment there, Ashley. <laughs> People love being a hater. Well, you know, putting the putting the hater in creator is where we're at sometimes. But not this so, time. No, no, not at all. So uh, let's, I guess we should probably tell everyone that we're going to be talking about um, the novelette uh, by Keij Johnson called The Evolution of Trickster Stories Among the Dogs of North Park After the Change. That's a mouthful. Um, and uh, I mean, the, the summary, like the change is very simple um, and it sort of is the after it. The entire story is sort of the aftermath of this change, right? Uh, yeah, the change is what if your dog was also a guy? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and asked for stuff and silently judged, or perhaps you thought that your dog now silently judged you. Now they can tell you all about it. Exactly. So yeah, the change is basically, I think it's all mammals, right? Become uh, all, self, all- self-aware. All domesticated mammals, specifically. Oh, right, right. Yeah, all like, or I don't know if self-aware is the right term. They can now communicate and have an awareness probably closer to a a human state. They can Mm -hmm. conceptualize and abstract uh, closer to a human than they would have been previously. Well, I mean, I think that um, I... Yeah, I I don't disagree with you, but the the story is very clear that it's basically language and everything that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to a certain extent, uh, part of the what becomes a tension, um, a growing tension throughout the story is just the plain fact that they that the dogs aren't human. Uh, part of part of that is sort of told in these um, sort of like sometimes comical, uh, sometimes tragic uh, little vignettes of stories that the dogs themselves like tell themselves about themselves and like how the stories start developing sort of like a mythology and a an identity. Yeah. So the story basically is this change has happened. 
Um, it just is, you know, and it kind of falls around basically. A lot of the stories is kind of, um, you kind of have a, a framework human. Um, she is like, I think she's supposed to be a young woman. Um, shoot, what's what's her name? I'm forgetting. Lena. Uh, Lena. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lena. Um, and she just kind of sits and spends time with the dogs and listens to their stories. And then towards the end, it you know, I mean, you can see it coming. There is a conflict now between humans and dogs um, because basically, yeah, humans are a little freaked out, uh, to say the least, that dogs can now basically communicate uh, on a one to one level with humans and let their needs and their desires and dislikes known in a way that's totally accessible to a human Um so, yeah, and then kind of tr- she just ends up trying, like yeah, I said, trying to, like, w- navigate that conflict and f- help the dogs as they're kind of navigating this world as much as she can. Yeah, and, and I think that the um, the the thing that really uh, draws you in is sort of like this very... Um, I I don't know. Maybe 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 you're the better the better person to tell me this. But it it feels like it's it's very um it's got like a very midwestern practicality to the narrative to it or the voice. I, I don't know if that if if I'm completely off base though. Yeah, I mean, that's not to say the prose isn't really good. I mean, this piece is is written super super well. This is actually my first time reading anything by uh, Kids Johnson. Um, which is something I'm definitely going to, you know, I'm definitely going to try to amend and read some more of her work. Because if this is, mm-hmm. um, you know, in dedication, I'm like, damn, she can, she can write her ass off. I mean, <laughs> that's probably like everyone else is like screaming as I say that. Like, wow, she's really good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what? I... I'm a dumb dumb and I don't read everything. So I was in fisheries and wildlife program for like four years and I read like two books that whole time. So I'm catching up. Uh, but you're, yeah, you're, you were the learning the language of the land. That's no, right. I, I was, know. I was sitting with the animals and communicating with them and by communicating with them. I mean, uh, we spent one class chasing turkeys around because we were like, can they really fly? And our uh, TAs were like, Oh Yeah. They can fly really good. We're like, you think we can get them flying? And they're like, I don't think so, but you could try. So we end up chasing them. Um, so I don't know what well, would happen l- if we had to communicate with the turkeys. They'd be like, whoa, 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 stop. I guess, I guess you, you, you lucked out because uh, what, I just read recently, they'll, they'll turn an attack. So, I can catch yeah. them. I can take them. I can take a turkey. Um, but um, yeah, I think there's a practicality to it. I mean, some of it's just like, I mean – they're dogs and i think it's not like told in like the the voice of a dog because again that's not really like our pov character um but i think it's still trying to kind of emulate the you know the limited like vocabulary of this and also like i think this the approachability of a of a trickster story because trickster stories are uh, a big thread throughout this and Mm -hmm. like trickster stories are are told for the average person they're just sharing their stories so they're not gonna be like you know, this big lyrical, you know, conglomeration, you know, they're going to be really approachable and told by the people um, for the people. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think that really does color the the language. It, it's, it's still a uh, still really gorgeous, still really good, really, really focused. It really does well. But yeah, you're, you know, I think, um, I don't know if it's Midwest I mean, practicality. I don't think they're in the Midwest. I don't think anyone talks about eating corn. 
Um, no, it's pl- it, it is the Midwest. Oh, is it? Oh, where is it set? Yeah, I can't remember. It's I can Kansas. Oh shoot! Yeah, so I guess they're they are they should have been eating corn. I don't know. I'm not from Kansas. I'm from like Michigan, so I don't know what they I, do in Kansas. It's like a forsaken land. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna guess that uh, Keish, uh actually last I heard and and I might be wrong. Um, she is a professor at uh, University of Kansas. Kansas. I looked at I University looked it up. Yeah, went, there we go. Okay. I was like, oh, I don't really know a lot about this author. Let me go look up her stuff and I can pretend like I'm knowledgeable, but I just revealed that I did that. So I guess not. Um, well, but yeah, she's a professor at University of Kansas. So the Wikipedia page tells me as of mm-hmm. recently. Well, I mean, uh, she's, I believe she's one of the, uh, she's the final juror on the uh, Theodore Sturgeon Award uh, jury. So. Uh, yeah, I think she's, uh, connected to like the James Gunn Center, uh, yes. in the University of Kansas. Uh, and, and I think that they, they run a, a smaller workshop there as well, or, or they used to. Uh, so, uh, anyway, she, she's had a, a long and storied career. So, uh, that being said, when I think the first thing of hers that I ran across was probably her first, non-tie-in novel i think she had a, a star trek the next generation tie-in novel f- before that and then she came out with a book called the fox woman uh and that was like that just set my brain on fire yeah i was looking I mean, at her bio and she she really has like done it all basically in the genre yeah she's written tie-in she's written so much short fiction um you know longer books and stuff like that like i'm like to be to have that sort of career and that recognition like you know, one could only hope, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so um, I figured maybe we could give a little taste of what we're talking about. Just read um, at least the opening, because I feel like the opening is very straightforward. It's not trying to be very embroidered or anything of the sort. It's just very simply sort of like described and everything. Um, so it says, North Park is a backwater tucked into a loop of the Caw River. Pale dirt and baked grass, aging on uh, playground equipment, silver-leafed cottonwoods, underbrush, mosquitoes and gnats blackening the air at dusk. To the south is a busy street. Engine noise and the hissing of tires on the pavement mean it's no retreat. By late afternoon, the air smells of hot tar and summertime river bottoms. There are two entrances to North Park, the formal one, of silvered railroad ties framing an arch of sorts and an accidental little gap in the fence back where the second street ends in back where second street and dead ends into the park's west side just by the river a few stray dogs have always lived here too clever or shy or easily hidden to be caught and taken to the shelter on nice days and this is a nice day a smell like boiling sweet corn easing in on the south wind to blunt the sharper scents lena sent sits at one of the faded picnic tables with a reading assignment from her summer class and a paper bag full of fast food, the remains of her lunch. She waits to see who visits her. So, yeah, I mean, but I love that. Yeah, again, you don't have like kind of those like, you know, dollar words, but you get such a sense of the, the scene here because it's just so specific and so thoughtful with the words you know silver leaf cottonwoods um you know just the way that the location is described i immediately get like okay there's two entrances this is a like you know this is towards the back you know engine noise and hissing of tires 
that smell of hot tar. Yeah, is, is mm-hmm. that, that trying to capture that heat, that smell of like the heat of a mm-hmm. of a lived area. Yeah, I mean, I I love it. it I immediately know where I am, and that's something I crave. Um, uh, so much from a lot of uh, maybe not as good uh, spec fic is that I'm like, where am I? Like I said, the last episode I was on, I was like, where am I? Who am I? Who are you? So we're all, this, disem- uh, we're all disembodied yet diverse heads uh, mm. <laughs> that float in the ether, Ashley. Yeah. And but this one, this- I have no, I have exactly every sense of where I am, which is nice. Yeah. Like I, I, I love when, so you know, let's let's not kid ourselves. Kansas, outside of uh, you know, L. Frank Frank Baum or something, isn't exactly uh, you know very fantastical, right? Uh, it it yeah, you know, it's where a bunch of trains used to you know cross tracks. Uh, that's it. It's very flat. They grow corn there. You know that type of thing. It's not very magical, and yet, give me something. And and I believe Johnson, you know, Keith Johnson does that here. Give me something that makes it feel grounded or strange to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the strangeness will will come in a, in a second when yeah you know, we get our first uh, little co character. Yeah, you know, Gold the dog. Yeah, I was just scrolling through and looking at the stories and wondering if there wasn't one we we could pick apart because yeah, so much. These are bro- this uh, novel is broken into sections and they're like all kind of interspersed with these with these stories. Um, and yeah, it's really told in that story of um, you know coyote or uh, mm-hmm. uh, a brer rabbit or the num the numerous tricksters are out there where it's just like uh, they even reference like this is one dog and it's not. And the dog is just always one dog. And it's kind of just a stand-in for dog, um, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Um, it's very aware of its structure and, you know, what it's playing for, and I, which I really like. So Yeah. I, I, I have a one that uh, I, I probably want to talk about, which is the fourth one. Yes, let's do it. All right. What's the – let me scroll down. Fourth one. It's- that is – is it the one about the possums? Yes. Oh yeah. Because some, I think, these are, some of these are like really like messed up. Yeah. Well, but but this is like real, honestly, it feels like exactly like the type of trickster story you you'd expect, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, one dog ca- catches possums. Uh, I guess we could probably read a little bit of this, and uh, yeah, just to give a, a sense of the of the flavor of each of the vignettes. Yeah. Do you want me to? I could take this one. Go for it. Okay, so this is one of the stories is it's number four and one dog catches possums. This is the same dog. She's very hungry because her master forgot to feed her and there's no good trash because the possums have eaten it all. If I catch the possums, she says, I can eat them now and then the trash later because they won't be getting it all. She knows that possums are very hard to catch. So she lies down next to a trash bin and starts moaning. Sure enough, when the possums come to eat the trash, they hear her and waddle over. Oh, 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 moans the dog. I told the rats a great secret and now they won't let me rest. The possums look around, but they don't see any rats. Uh, Where are they? The oldest possum asks. One dog says, everything I eat ends up in a place inside me like a giant garbage heap. I told the rats and they snuck in and they've been there ever since. And she let out a great howl. Their cold feet are horrible. 
The possums think for a time, and then the oldest says, This garbage heap, is it large? Huge, one dog says. Are the rats fierce, says the youngest. Not at all, one dog tells the possums. If they weren't inside me, they wouldn't be any trouble even for a possum. Oh, I could feel one dragging bits of bacon around. <laughs> After whispering among themselves for a time, the possums say, We can go in and chase out the rats, but you must promise not to hunt us ever again. If you catch any rats, I'll never eat another possum, she promises. One by one, the possums crawl into her mouth. She eats all but the oldest, who is too tough and stringy to be worth it. This is much better than dog food or trash, she says. So, and if you can't tell, I have been, um, for anyone listening, I have been working at our state fair for like 10 days in a row. And I primarily do uh, educational kids. So if you're like, why am I being read this? Like I'm talking to kids. I'm like, that's why. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that also like like this, this is a, a one that's already a, it's smoothed over a little bit because the first ones are really very sort of like I have a very staccato clip, right? Yes. Uh, this one, this one actually has a little bit more interiority. It's funny. You know, this is what you would expect, uh, you know, to, to hear when you're hearing a trickster story where this is, you know, this is like a Bugs Bunny type of, you know, uh, trick, right? Where, you know. Basically, says, oh, woe is me, and somehow manages to get the the antagonist or the the you know whoever is uh, this one dog's uh, adversary in the story to somehow give you know give one dog you know whatever they want by pretending he you know he or she does not, <laughs> or 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 somehow you know like just defeat themselves. Right. I'm just reading this. I was just. So jealous of Johnson because I was like, she so clearly like gets a trickster story and knows how to tell it, which is I don't think it's it's looks simple on the surface, but to capture like this true like trickster story, I mean, God knows we've seen so many retellings and reimaginings of like old folklore and fairy tales and how easy it is to like just whiff that whole voice and you know met like meter and just the the what it's doing and she like she gets it and like she clearly loves these things um or she's tricked me into believing she loves them and like what they mean um yeah so i'm just like really jealous in a, in a complimentary way that she's able to to do that so well so many times throughout this well and also i was i keep on going back to like the 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 next to the last thing that the the one dog says where it, you know they're extracting a promise, the possums are extracting a promise that you'll never hunt us again. Then, mm-hmm. and the 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 cleverness of this is so good because I mean, let's face it: if you catch any rats, I'll never eat another possum. There aren't any rats to catch, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is this is like it sounds like a promise but we know and and that's i mean the the whole point of this is this this is actually these stories are being told to the dogs of uh north park by gold which is like uh he's described as a dusty he seems like a little dust colored terrier type of yeah dog. that's the that's the vibe i got too you know, a little shaggy, but not very much, you know? Um, and so he's the one that's telling these stories. And, you know, you reading it are supposed to 
uh, understand that you are now shifting pr- perspective. You are now the you, the audience for gold. You're supposed to be one of the dogs after the change and identify with the dog, right? And when you hear a, a promise that isn't actually a promise because you have special information, then that's that makes you sort of like come together as like a people, right? Uh, you you gain some sort of I- group identity with others. And it's interesting because in that, this section, um, right after we get the story, is I think where you see the almost the elevation. It's like it plays with kind of this evolutionary history of Lena, like the um, Lena or Lena, how you ever say her name. Um, the dogs start howling and there's kind of this talk about like they were bred from wolves. Um, it were like there's a line here that says it is they're trying to howl and it's not like how it would be if it was uh, like a wolf howl. It's like it's a wolf secret and they don't know any of these. And uh, Linda's sitting there listening to it and she like basically there's a line that says her monkey self opens her eyes. Um, and basically, yeah, that she suddenly like she's battling her own kind of, I guess, disgust. It's kind of like this really cool reversal of the, you know, the dog is now kind of above the human mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that yeah, because to to a certain extent, before we get to that part, um, hmm. there is lots of sort of like she provides sort of background uh, regarding like you know what what happens after the change, right? And so um, let me see if I can find here. Uh, I, I I love that uh, she she does take a moment to to mention that cats. Also were changed, but the minute that they changed, they went and fucked off, never came back. Yeah, most of them never came back. Yeah, basically because they found humans too asinine to be around. Yeah, they're they're too boring and they're 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 just like natural. uh, What was it? Psychopathies or yeah? I I just pulled up the line that says the cats mostly leave even ones who love their owners. Their pragmatic sociopathy makes us uncomfortable and we bore them, and they leave. (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so they just they just sleep basically <laughs> um which is very some very interesting dogs do do not they have a much more complicated relationship with humans at this point yeah yeah i mean um so so, so we do get like these little bits and pieces and it's it's all very sad right because basically yeah. we we get this um these glimpses of how human beings no longer feel comfortable you know, with a, a a creature that can now speak back, right? Uh, I believe that one of the lines in there is that, uh, you know, that we prefer our slaves mute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the, the things that you start seeing, like, right away is that um, basically she's sitting there, and after we get, like, the first couple of stories, uh, these two dogs show up and one's like a little Jack Russell and, and the other is a bedraggled uh, collie. And, um, you know, basically uh, she says, when the story's done and the last of the French fries eaten, um, Lina asks Hope, why are you here? The golly turns her face away and it is Maggie, the little Jack Russell who answers. Our mother made us leave. She has a baby. Maggie's tone is matter of fact. It is Hope who, who mourns for the woman and the child she loved, who compulsively licks her paw as if she were dirty and cannot be cleaned. I mean, that's just fucking tragic. 
I know. I was I was really struck thinking about this because I'm like, we have bred dogs to be so dep- like I always say that. I mean, they joke about cats, but I'm like, it's really unfair to compare literally any other animal to a dog because a dog is a freak of nature and how much it's been bred to kind of be dependent and it tied into human society. So I couldn't help thinking, I'm like, what about all the dogs that like they need like grooming and stuff like that? Like well, all these dogs that aren't going to be able to even shed like they're just going to be like. These poor little like poodles run around and they're going to be like a big mat ball. Like I couldn't still, I don't know if that's mentioned, but like I was thinking of stuff like that mm-hmm. or like, oh, you get those little like Brachys phallics, so those like smushed face dogs. I'm like, how are they going to live out here? Like we've, we've made these little guys so dependent on us. And then, you know, then it's like, okay, what if they could talk to you? What do you do when this little creature is so dependent on you? And now it can like talk to you. And it's a really, yeah, it's, it's really tragic. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it fucking sucks, man. It's like I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna admit in this I read this I want to say for the first time probably five six maybe even seven years ago for the first time, um and and uh, you know this this has become probably one of my favorites of Keith Johnson's uh, stories. There's there's lots of good ones. I just think that this one is the one that speaks to me specifically but uh i will say that yeah i it uh, you know it's very moving i am gonna admit that you know it, I, I was very emotional when i read it the first time and now it just fucking hits even harder because of you know how the world has sort of like shown us that yeah we 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 treat yeah, you know, other people, you know, other people, because that's what the the whole struggle of this is. Absolutely, right? I was just gonna say that, like, this is it's not hard to see. This is a metaphor for um, oppressed people in all its forms. Um, so, yeah, and and also, I think for org- like other you know animals too. But like, yeah, this is like it. Mm-hmm. it- it's not shy. Like I said, it uses the word slave a lot in this. Like it's not shy about what it's kind of trying to reach for. Um, yeah. And, and so weirdly, and, and I'll say this, um, weirdly, yes, it is a metaphor for like, uh, other oppressed peoples, but I never get the feeling that, you know, Johnson is trying to map this onto a specific yes. type of, which is they, which is to say that the dogs still feel very dog-like. Exactly. Like, no, I and I am glad you added that because I was going to add that too. Is like, I don't want this to be like, and this is exactly a metaphor for the African American experience, especially because I am not. I'm very white. I don't want to like make that <laughs> statement. I don't think that's what Kent was doing, but I think it's 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 kind of like grappling with that idea of oppressed peoples through this framework um and also like the value of trickster stories and language and why we want the you know the oppressed people to be voiceless because it makes it a lot easier um and i think that's not necessarily like i i think the struggles of you know there's some people that go really into it and but i think you know the the way i anyway i'm kind of rambling but yeah let's continue no, no. Uh, so, so we we can we detour here briefly because I do want to talk a little bit about trickster stories. Um, because as as I understand it, it, it probably like I would. I don't have any proof of it, but as things go and how it feels natural that perhaps even trickster stories are some of the first sort of like uh, myth making that a people will have in part because the trickster 
is neither a good or uh bad entity, right? He's yes. amb- ambivalent. And so like, you know, you'll have uh the trickster doing b- something bad and then that becomes like the goofus, right? That's that's a culture's goofus example, right? He did something bad and you know, oh, he's now dead, you know. Uh and, and that's one of the things that um the first couple of stories really hammer home that you know, th- the same dog, yeah, it did something dumb and it's and they they got up and they killed it you know yeah or a, it, it ran it got run over by a car you know that type of thing well there's like one of the first ones is a very it, very interesting and a very silly story with a with a, a pretty like it, it kind of has a punch in where it's like this dog basically wants this dog is a male and wants to have sex with a bunch of female dogs so it dresses up like a man and even puts like a little cigarette in its mouth and it's like hello i'm here to inspect <laughs> your electricity or something like that and the the guy's you're, like you're, absolutely yeah, your electrostatic something something. <laughs> it just makes like, up some word. Oh yeah, it's like oh yeah, I'm from the men with white trucks. I have to check your electrical stat- statico pressure. Can you let me into your yard? <laughs> and the man lets him in. And as soon as he gets to the yard, he takes off his shirt and he has sex with the dog, the other dog. And then the man hears him and shoots him. And the female's like. Yeah, you probably should have fucked someone else, huh? Um, <laughs> it's tough to be you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, and then there's like one where I was just thinking like, yeah, when you're talking about tricksters, kind of, um, this is kind of neutral, chaotic, like creating force, creating is just like, I just want to like do a thing and see what happens. Like, there's a story about how a dog creates death because it's like, well, I didn't want to live forever because it'd get boring. So I made death so we wouldn't have boredom anymore. So, yeah, yeah, they, they, they lived in a house with their, with their owner, but the house didn't have any windows. They were always inside. There wasn't, you know, the, the, the thing was that the dog had, had no wants and therefore had no desires. Yeah. And then, and then it just it, got deathly bored. And then it goes on. And of course, like it has this really like insightful thing after it. That's like, you know, how does language allow you to do abstractions? Like how do the dogs know about death and the creation of death and like basically like yeah linguistics potentially being the reason for that so yeah well i mean i mean so uh if i can circle back one of the things that it seems to me is or the reasoning that i have behind like trickster stories probably being some of the first you know stories that are told is mainly because it, it it sort of has a social purpose to show you like the boundaries of what is probably good in your society and possibly not so good or have bad consequences. Uh, and you know, your trickster is there to show you just, you know, like, well, I, I'm the ass that, uh, you know, that, that invented death. You're welcome. Right. Um, also, yeah, I think it's also a way of understanding the world. Like I was, when we did the possum one in like the fact, like that thing, it doesn't say like what this means, but that fact that it's like, there's always like in a myth, it's always like the one thing escapes, or in this case, it was like the oldest isn't eaten, which feels very much and like, a, like and this is an explanation for why you only see like old possums or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that feels like the, the unsaid part of it to me. Um, and it's not said. Well, it doesn't need to be, but it gives me that feeling of like this is why the world is is because this thing happened, or you know, it's the same. Like when you look at the stars and you hear the stories of the stars, like why does the the 
the bear have a long tail in the, the milk or in the Big Dipper because bears don't have tails. And so it tells you a story about how the bear lost its tail and stuff like that. <laughs> well, I, I also it's funny because the same that same possum one was it also shows you like as a reader, right? Um, it shows you what the you know what the dogs consider a hierarchy of like prey, right? Right. There's something I was definitely sitting there like, do the animals not like have a concept of like how a little, it's a little fucked up that like they're eating stuff that's like talking back to them now? Because I feel a little <laughs> fucked up about that. But um, you know, maybe that's just something about humans that I, maybe that says a lot about me that I'm like, oh, I can eat a thing as long as it doesn't like say like, hi, my name is Molly or well, whatever. I mean- so, so uh, have you ever read the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Or actually, this is from the uh, the second one. I uh, restaurant at the like uh, like a decade ago, or like probably more like fifteen years ago. So I don't remember anything except bits and pieces. It's all good. I mean, yeah. in the second one, they they they're at the restaurant, and uh, it basically one of the more more awkward, somewhat funny, but also at least for me, I was like just horrified was that um, the main character asks for a steak and they trot out like a a cow that says, you know, I I could recommend which cuts of my body you could, you could use. It's my pleasure to die for you. And that was just like horrible to me. I was like, I don't want to (laughs) know. And and apart from that, to add even more, the, how in Hitchhiker's Guide, you know, sort of accepts that that's its purpose. After all, there's nothing wrong with that. Go on ahead, chop away. And you're like, no, 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 I want you. You don't understand. <laughs> that's even worse. Right. I have nothing now. <laughs> right. But uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, that, that, that is that is an interesting point. Um I'm going to guess that in the stories, the animals talk, but also like the, the possums aren't domesticated. Although what would happen with a possum that's at like a, like a refuge or something? Hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. There's just like, what if there's a couple like just freak animals that know how to talk, but everything out, like all their wild kindred are just like normal. That'd be fucked. That would that be fucked up or what? Right. Well, I mean, or that they they've been uh, they've been sort of like raised like they were raised from an egg or like, I, oh God, could you imagine like some poor raven that's raised from an egg? Because I mean, to be parent- fair, ravens are probably already a little fucked up when you do that. To them. I, they're pretty smart <laughs> as true. it is. They can like kind of talk anyway. I'm like, I think that's just normal. I was thinking about this, too. I was thinking like, oh, well, you know. Yeah, this is fucked up, but people keep parrots as pets. So that's like a having like a, a four-year-old for 80 years that self-armed sometimes. So, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. we'd, maybe we'd figure it out, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly. I, yeah, parrots. I, I, I've changed my mind on parrots. But um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, I mean, so the, the, the tension continues throughout the story, right? Because Lina has, like, as we see um, the, the story progress and the, the dogs in North Park sort of, um, like, even their stories are becoming a slightly more uh, complex, right? They're, yes. they're dealing with more complex issues, more abstract issues, like you said, like death. Uh, the one that really... Uh, like felt like very much like a journey to the underworld is the one where she loses her smell. Yeah. And, yeah. She, and she keeps on like hell for, for the, like the underworld for dogs is just like a dim, always somewhat, uh, you know, like dark, 
a series of back streets and parking lots that are filled with dog parts. Oh, yeah. It was the because there's a story. I was getting a little confused because there's a story about how a dog makes the world through smell. And then, yeah, there's this one where a dog gets hit by a car and a piece of it flies away. And she has to yeah go through dog hell. There's a dog hell now, guys. Um, I don't know who's in dog hell. Some bad dogs, I guess, back down there. Um, yeah. So that's a very bad dog. Yeah. And, um, yeah, has to go and she, it, yeah, it's like, impl- I feel like it's implied to the, the part that the dog misses is like a bit like a, a fetus or something like that. It's like, it keeps saying it's like a puppy smell or something like that. Oh, oh. Or it's innocence. It's childhood. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, hope, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's not it's not actually spelled out in any way, shape, shape or form. Right? No, like- it's just I think that's one you can kind of speculate on and stuff. But yeah, that she basically the only way this dog one dog can return is by reuniting with this part that's been um, that's been lost. Um, yeah, well, I was like, I remember it, and I was like, God damn, Kidge, what the hell is this about? Holy <laughs> shit, it's got a horror like a dog horror story in here. God damn, right? I thought dog horror would just be like, there was a vacuum, it was loud and scary, Ooh. but it's like, no, there's a dog hell where it's just full of, like, dog legs that flew off, and now they just hop around for eternity. Yeah, dog, uh, I love that it's uh, dog legs, dog ears, and then weirdly and profanely, oh, yeah, I just which saw, seems I forgot that dog's <laughs> assholes as yeah. well, it, it, because I think that that's another thing that's that's sort of also well observed on on her part is the fact that a lot many times the the trickster stories do are a little bit profane, you know, like yeah, the, the, you know, you know, such and such trickster. I forget which trickster. <laughs> literally eat shit you know <laughs> oh yeah it's like, well i'm thinking of like um you know maybe not like in a traditional like trickster sense but you have like in the uh you know norse mythology you have your trickster character loki who's like yeah he births like a bunch of weird stuff um you know he, he just they're just fucking and sucking all over the place and now there's like a bunch <laughs> of true. eight-legged horses and whatever. So yeah, I mean that's that's definitely part. Also, like as a dog, I mean they sniff each other's butt all the time. So that's actually probably like <laughs> yeah, yeah. That they a little need bit of a they world need building those. There. Yeah, exactly. I've got it together. This is a story that if you were an insufferable nerd, you would be really insufferable about because you'd be like, um, how do they do that? What about this? What about the animals that talk? And it's like, girl, <laughs> you just gotta enjoy it. I don't know if any anybody's ever read that with that response, but I I can I think some of our little points. I'm like if we were if we were not fair there would be so much annoying comments like uh real cinema sins ass like commentary like <laughs> that's that's the point of this story girl it's about language and dogs and oh i'd forgotten about the one where he tricks the white truck man <laughs> oh that one's good yeah where it's just it like yeah so that one's they're all really good i love i really yeah, yeah. like them all um like i said they're all very imaginative and different and yeah some of them like yeah have street horror some of them are like these really like um like very like spiritual like the creation of the world through smell or just like the thought of like a dog created death because they were bored like what the fuck dog like (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's it's great so um so should we talk about like what the like what ends up being like the the conflict of of this story or like the immediate threat to this story absolutely Uh, yeah so what happens is after a while we've kind of sat with these dogs and the world building the thoughts is trying to um 
you have all these dogs are basically gathering in the park and um, the people are getting like freaked out about this. And because people just basically dump and abandon their dogs, which they do now, but they especially do it then. And, um, you know, they kind of they start poisoning the dogs. That's the animal control solution to this problem is they basically start putting poison in meat and the dogs start dying. And they're basically trapped in this park and going to slowly die through this method or, you know, maybe be captured and taken to the shelter, which they almost certainly will, will perish there as well. Um, so you kind of, you know, the, the then like becomes the, the how do we save the dogs is kind of um, yeah. where we go from I there. Mean- I, I I especially in, uh, like I I don't want to say enjoyed, but I especially thought that the the way that um, it's described it's just very sparse and just enough, uh, you know, just to let let it hit right. So yeah. uh, basically, what is it? Um, so there's a uh, to to clear it up. The, the North Park is sort of like tucked away, and it's a you know like like they said at the beginning, it's a backwater. The big park, which is Cruise Park, is the like it's like fifteen acres. You know, it's, it's a huge park, uh, and it's in the c- center of the city, so it's very central. And now, because it's full of dogs um, who've been sort of abandoned or run off to you know sort of make shelter there, um, and the park is so central, well, people have complained, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, was it uh lina has no words can only watch speechless but the men say enough first thing in the morning the animal control people went to dylan's grocery store and bought 51 pound 51 pound packages of cheap hamburger on sale and they poisoned them all and then scattered them around the park lina can see the little blue styrene squares from the packaging scattered here and there among the dogs the dying dogs don't say much most have fallen back on the la- ancient language of pain, wordless yelps and keening. Men walk among them, shooting the suffering dogs, jabbing poles into the underbrush, looking for any who might have slipped away. I mean, that's a fucking slaughter. Absolutely. Like, and I think also the sparseness, I think, I think it does a lot of work in that. I think it shows how I, this is like where we finally kind of get that human, um, more of a human perspective on this Um, because before then too you get some dialogue uh, with Lina and the cops and they're just kind of they just kind of keep repeating they're just dogs and there's even a section where Lina asks did you have a dog before the change and he doesn't say anything I think the sparseness really reflects kind of like again this kind of like uncomfortableness with the atrocity um, in a very like specific like thought out way and that it's like you know, no one really wants to talk about it. They kind of talk around it. They're like, yeah, you don't go there. It's a health risk. There's safety. And it's finally the person that kind of the people that talk the most about are going to be Lina. And then there's a woman there who's like mm-hmm. eventually shows up and is upset. And she she's like, I have dogs. This because they're talking doesn't change the fact that, you know, that I love them and they're part of my family. And then the kind of challenge is like, well, what if they start asking for these separate things? And she's like, I'll, I'll figure it out. You can't do this to them though. Um, so I don't know. I think that, I think the dialogue is doing it's, I think the fact that it's so, that it is kind of sparse there, I think really is the text kind of also displaying the mood of kind of like, we don't want to look at this horror we're talking around. And then when it finally does, it's like, Oh shit. Like this is, they're just fucking killing like, 
basically a bunch of like non-human people out here like it's right. it's, it's bad <laughs> and they just yeah, kind of like bad. and they're just kind of like well what are you gonna do um that's fucked up <laughs> yeah i mean it it really fucking works is the thing it, it sort of like, like like you said i think it lapses into the very sort of short descriptive sentences just to sort of feel like it's got a rhythm to it but also sort of like a weird um distance and like through almost like uh official type language you yes know? you you feel the cop in this section for sure and again this is very much like done on purpose this isn't me being like kid johnson's a cop it's like she is embodying that like kind of like oppressive like uh viewpoint of this and that that want to look away from the horror and the like massacre yeah so so this uh, you know like uh this causes lena to then like just run <laughs> I, I do like that she she starts running fast you know to to get to north park before you know something else happens over there and then she she has to sort of like just limp, you know sort of like trot her way holding her side because she's just she can't do it you know she's not an action hero you know she's she just she's like me for real for real <laughs> so she gets there and they have police tape uh, across the official entrance, but the uh, second street gap in the fence uh, is unknown, right? So she slips in through that way and um, basically is confronted because gold has been shoved. You sort of like shunted aside by uh, a, another dog, uh, like a German shepherd, right? Yes. Who's become the the dominant uh, leader in the, in the pack of dogs there. Cop dog. But- Top dog, indeed. I said, well, you know. I said, cop dog. I was like, that's cop dog. Oh, <laughs> top dog, but also cop dog. I was like, that's cop dog. <laughs> so she has to then convince the the German Shepherd. You know, like she, the German Shepherd basically says, "We're leaving," and she's like, "No, you can't just leave just like that. You know, you got to do something different because they're out there. They're gonna just shoot you, all right. of you." And, you know, like the German shepherd says, well, some of us might escape. And she's like, well, not that many. Let me, you know, let me please, let me tell you a story about, you know, Coyote. And basically tells, starts talking about like how, what is it? Um, One of the dogs says, uh, I know about coyotes. There was somewhere I used to live. They eat puppies sometimes. Yeah, and she, I and bet she, they do. Yeah, and she's like, I no, I mean, coyotes eat everything, but this wasn't a coyote. It's coyote, the one and right. only. And they're like, oh, the gotcha. yeah, the dogs, the dogs murmur. She hears them work it out. Coyote is the same as this is the same dog. So you know, she basically tells them a little bit about coyote and like the the way that you can trick thing, you know, use tricks to to survive. Um, and so she basically, uh, <laughs> out of uh, taking a page out of one of the uh, this one dog's stories, she becomes a white truck woman and convinces the dogs to sort of play dead in the back of her truck that she's rented out. And she carts them all under a tarp, uh, you know, out to what is it, Clinton Lake or something like that? It's called, um, where yes. it's a huge, like a huge area that 
you know, they, they can probably run free. And by, by the time they're there, they're not sort of like at choke points where they can be killed easily. You know, they can run anywhere they want. Um, but in the, in the, uh, ensuing voyage, sadly, little gold, uh, probably got crushed or something. You just couldn't breathe enough under the tarp and the heat and everything like that. So he died and a couple more did. And I think that, um, she says, what is it? She, she does not cry. She knew she couldn't save them all, but she has saved some of them. That has to be enough. So, I, I mean, it's, it's honestly, this is a complete banger of a story. Uh, I, I just, I, I can't tell you how much I love this story even more now. Yeah, I love the end too, because it had very, um, have you ever seen those videos of like people that just like walk like walk into the back of a Walmart just by if you are confident enough or like that the joke that if you wear like a a high vis like vest and like even a helmet you could go anywhere you want and it's like that's how she tricks it basically she's just confident enough and being like oh I'm here from animal control and she like there's this part where she like they're like do you have an ID and she's like oh I'm going and they have an incinerator and she just waves a cell phone around hoping that they will like and then the officer's just like ah whatever so like well she she does she does like the the movie trick where it's like oh yeah they, they, they I'm talking to someone from the office right now they got yeah. an incinerator running right now and she waves the cell phone and I think she says like hoping hoping that the officer wouldn't be curious to see who was on the other end of the line because there was no one <laughs> right exactly so yeah I the story was one that really stuck with me afterwards and um i was thinking too so like stuck with me and like every time i i i've been seeing a dog i've, I've really been thinking this story i um like i said i've been uh working at the fair and i stayed late in the one night and they had a show uh which was called extreme dogs which was dogs just doing like little like uh like little tricks like agility stuff like they were all rescues they were all having a great time but I was sitting there. I wish I hadn't read the story before I did that because all I could sit there <laughs> as these dogs are doing their like cool little jumps and stuff is I'm like haunted by the story and being like, what if these dogs could talk? Would you still want to like, would they have to be like, would they start unionizing? Like, well, this is a story that will like, it will stick with you and it'll like reframe. Um, like I said, at the very least, you're going to look around and be like looking at dogs and be like, what would I do if you could like talk to me? like like on the same like language level that i could um because i believe obviously dogs communicate it's just we are if we are we are vastly we are coming from very different angles on this so but like if dog could be like i want hamburger i'd be like oh shit fuck um well i mean yeah like would you be the lady that was like yeah i i try to give it to them i what else can you do yeah it, it or would you be like see ya fluffy bye <laughs> No, and it's like the cruelty is hard to read, but like it's very realistic. Like this doesn't like it would not surprise me. Like this would be the reaction. Like honestly, I'm like this is probably a kinder reaction than maybe that the real world would like of them just being like, uh, okay, go run away and stuff like that. So um, probably more the killing part would probably be more realistic. Um, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, this 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 stuck with me. This really did, um, and I was really happy to read it. Excellent. Well, I, uh, I, do we have any last thoughts? I mean, I think that we were just more or less giving last thoughts uh, other than like, yeah, go read it. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering, I mean, not that she needs more awards. I was always like, I saw that she didn't win that year. Um, cause I think it was a Hugo one. And I was like, man, I should have looked up and who won that year. Cause this, 
this was a this was a strong one. I hope that whatever beat it was just, was stronger. So, um, I uh, but it was this was this was like 2006. So like, um, I was uh, um like I think this was a story that came out in 2006. I see it's on 2019 on this webpage, but I think it's older than. Well, than yeah, it, it's a reprint. It, it, she she um I think it it actually came out. Let me see here because this was uh first was printed in the Coyote Road Trickster Tales, uh, edited by uh, Ellen Datlow and Terry Windling. Um, and this, I believe, came out in 2007. Okay. Yeah, I would definitely say, yeah, go check this out. Um, it's doing some really smart things. It's got some great trickster stories. Um, it definitely, like, is if you're into kind of, like, the thinking about stories, too, it does a lot of that and the power of language, too. Like, we didn't talk too much about that, but there's a lot of sections where it kind of ruminates me, but at the end, it's kind of like, you know, us as storytellers and we're using animals. What the, what the fuck does that mean? And stuff like that. So there's a lot to get from this. Um it's really, it's really awesome. Like I said, and it'll stick with you. Well, I, I, I just also found it really clever that we then get uh, Lena's like version of like, you know, the white truck man, right? Right. Because she, she understood then also that, yeah, it, it's absolutely true. It, it's very simplified in a trickster story, but it's true. We, we, we make, if you look and act a certain way, people tend to think that you're exactly what you said. And that's that's a good trick in and of itself, right? So what um, you, what we're telling you is that you should get a high fizz uh, vest and just wander into some cool spots and see what happens. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the more fences, dress. the more points you'll get if you get into it. <laughs> dress, yeah, dress for the job you want to be banned from. Um, <laughs> oh man, I got it. I sure do that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think uh, we, we've we've extolled the virtues of uh, the the story that has many uh, stories about this one dog. Uh, the uh, the evolution of trickster stories among the dogs of North Park after the change. Uh, go read it, folks. You, I, it won't let you down. All right. Well, thanks again, Ashley. I hope to have you back soon. Yeah. What are we? What we, what, do we have anything on the hater plate? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got several things on on several uh, back burners. Oh, There's too shit. many back burners. Oh shit! Well, uh, keep an eye out for this spot. If you <laughs> don't like this nasally Midwestern voice, well, I'm probably gonna... going to be here again. So I don't know. You're gonna have to learn to deal with it. Get some real problems. <laughs> all right well anyway thanks again ashley and to everyone out there thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time here on Podside. <laughs>